Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is another episode in our NBA Wheel of Fandom series, and today we're going to talk about the Washington Wizards. But we can't do it without a super fan here on the podcast today. So please welcome Washington Wizards super fan, Brooks Warren. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? Thank you for having me. As always, I am excited for this episode, although the Wizards continue to break my heart, man. So, Brooks, before we begin this episode, tell us a little bit about your Wizards, your Wizards fandom. Wizards fandom, man. My Literally, my first basketball memory was, I can't remember what year it was. I think it must have been 03, 04, when uh, Wizards were playing against the, I think it was the, it was either the Miami Heat or the Chicago Bulls, one of them. And obviously the Wizards lost in that, in that playoff series. And I was just so, I was just so upset. Like, oh my God, I can't believe the Wizards lost, blah, blah, blah. My dad's sitting there just laughing at me. Like, I didn't know if you know you like the Wizards like that. I'm like, yeah, I like the Wizards. They're, you know, they're their home team, blah, blah, blah. And ever since then, man, I've been, I've been hooked on the Wizards. Um, couple years obviously were like, not obviously, but a couple years where, um, I kind of fell off on the team, but then always came back. It's like a, being with like an, or not an abusive ex. Well, yeah, maybe like an abusive ex. Let's like, always want to get back and all that. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a bad relationship and I should probably break up with them, but I just can't seem to quit them. I just can't seem to quit them. Oh, man. All right. So just to read out some statistics from this past season, the Wizards finished 34 and 38 and they qualified for the playoffs via the play in tournament. Their head coach was Scott Brooks. They were third in points per game this season with 116.6. They were dead last in opponents' points per game with 118.5. Their offensive rating is 17th in the league, 111.2. Defensive rating is 113, which is 19th in the league. And they lost in the first round of the Eastern Conference, or sorry, in the first round of the playoffs to the Philadelphia 76ers. So on that note, given all of these statistics that I have read to you, we will start with Brooks. Give me your letter grade on the past season for the Washington Wizards. Letter grade for the past season, I would say I give it this. I give the Wizards a C minus for the for the last season. Uh, C minus because the goal was to make it to the playoffs. We made the playing spot. Uh, obviously, you know we were able to win that that crucial playing game against the Pacers. Um, but at the same time, man. We weren't supposed to be a seventh or eighth seed team. We're supposed to be at least top six. Um, obviously, you know, Russell Westbrook comes in, a little bit of damaged goods with that quad injury that he had that destroyed basically the first four months of his Wizards career, the first four months of his first and only season as a Wizard. So then I kind of tanked everything. You kind of have to bear down with Bradley Bill bringing you back from these huge deficits, destroys the defense. Davies Bertans, he's struggling from as a three-point marksman. Um, you know, thank God that Scott Brooks is no longer a Wizards coach because he was able, unable to really unlock what Rui could do and what Danny could do. Um, you know, weird, weird uh, substitution patterns with like three guard lineups with Ish, uh, Russ, and Ren Raoul. Um Man, yeah, it, it, it wasn't the season that the Wizards needed to have. That's why they get a C minus. Um, and I can't, 
even with the addition of Spencer Dinwiddie, I don't know if it gets any better than that. And we'll talk about the addition of Spencer Dinwiddie to this team as it was confirmed yesterday that Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be a Washington Wizard via sign trade with the Brooklyn Nets. So I think his fit will be interesting. But like I said, we'll get to that later. Jalen, what about you? Because I think this was a very interesting season, to say the least, for the Wizards. Yeah, Brooks, I'm surprised you're so low on them, bro. I think you got to factor in some of their circumstances. Thomas Bryant, big-time injury. Davis Bertans plays below the bill in terms of the fact that he got big money. I'm hoping that he'll bounce back in terms of um stepping up in the three-point shooting department because, I mean, although he was, you know, gang shooter, he shot nearly 40% um from three this past season, like, sure, yeah, I think that that's something that's good, but he didn't really have an impact in that in that shooting uh, split. I think that that's something that'll have to step up. Oh, uh, Robin Lopez played, like, pretty solid minutes. I get it. Not the greatest name in the world. I don't even think he's the best Lo- Lopez bro- brother by a stretch. I think we all can agree on that. But he gave uh, the Wizards solid minutes. Picking up Daniel Gafford, that might not have had a crazy impact last season, but he had a couple of things that stood out on a game-to-game basis that moving forward we can definitely take some benefits from. Um, I think even just like weird situations where you talk about guys like Isaac Bonga gave them good minutes. I think Bradley Beal and Westbrook jailed together better than anticipated, Um, considering they're both like high-volume shooting guys. Uh, Westbrook is a, like a, you know, a pace and space kind of guy who works next to a guy like Bradley Beal. So they were able to get up and down the court. Rui definitely, I would say improved in a couple of ways. Um, I still kind of want to see that, that offensive package open up a little bit. I think that's kind of difficult to do when you have Bradley and Russ, which is why I think that this trade of moving Russell Westbrook, we'll talk about a little bit later, but I think moving Russell Westbrook might actually be a serious help. For two guys in Rui Hachimura and Denny Avdia in terms of their development. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm gonna give them like a CC plus because I think there was a couple of things that you could definitely take away from last season in terms of like, first of all, making the playoffs in general, especially taking into account the injuries and the horrific start that probably had us all on life support in terms of watching this Wizards team. And probably, I mean, I know for sure, Brooks, I don't know if you, felt this way but by by trade deadline mode I was pretty much out on the Wizards like I was pretty much calling it GG's I was switching back to my my Chicago Bulls fandom as quickly as possible seeing if maybe I could bite the bullet and still sneak into 10 and come to find out the Wizards turn around and they're actually the team that uh that ends up making the uh the play in and making a push for the playoffs and actually was you know relatively effective um against Philly despite you know gentlemen sweep I think there were two two three games in that series where I think they legitimately, you know, had a chance, especially game one. Well, you know, we talked about that at nauseum around the time that it happened. Uh, Russ was not out of bounds. I'm sticking to it. Um, he wasn't. So, you know, but yeah, I'm going to give him like a CC plus. I think they did pretty good considering, considering the circumstances. And I actually think this year they have a pretty decent chance to get better. We'll talk about that more based on the trades. But um, yeah, I think they were solid low key. Yeah, and, and Jalen mentioned some of those circumstances. Thomas Bryant's injury, definitely Davis Bertans did not have the best season last year. He, he at one point uh, last year, he was one of the best three-point shooters in the league and the second league scorer on that Wizards team. So seeing Bertans not have the best season this year definitely kind of leaves you wondering if he can improve going forward. And he, he did show that in the 2019-2020 season, so there's some potential there. And then Jalen also mentioned the young players like 
Rui Hachimura and Denny Abdia. I think they're going to get some more time to shine. Maybe with a new coach, they'll probably implement some new schemes where they get where they get a greater opportunity to shine. But I guess we'll have to see going forward. And we'll we'll definitely touch on the hiring of Wes Unsell Jr. as the new head coach of the Washington Wizards. So, what is one thing on the agenda that you believe your team needs to address this offseason? Brooks, we'll start with you. So, okay, and and this is a part of why I said the Wizards really broke my heart, man, because last week I was giving Tommy Shepard all of the all of the good vibes. I was congratulating him for getting rid of two, uh, quote-unquote, terrible, the, the two worst contracts in, in, in the NBA, maybe even in sports. Get Well, yeah, you get rid of John Wolf or Russell Westbrook, basically the same amount of money, basically the same type of player, just different injury histories, and then you're able to do it again, get rid of Russell Westbrook. I'm like, okay, that's that's good. Good for him. I, I think that's a great uh, subtraction. And then being able to draft Corey Kispert, getting uh, Isaiah Todd, you know, another Baltimore boy. I thought that was a great offseason um, overhaul going on right then. And then this week, man, the Wizards have not made any free agency moves aside from trying to get uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. And, um, that I mean, my main thing was, if not through draft, through free agency, we need to get youth, we need to get athleticism, and we need to get athletic, uh, long 3 and D guys. And we didn't really address that. You know, we got Corey Kispert, guys, I believe, 6'7", six, 6'6". Six, six. He can shoot the ball, but that's his one guy. Isaiah Todd, I feel like he's going to be a project. And this is going to bring more of a log jam into the four position because Corey Kispert's going to have to, again, he's going to have to, Corey Kispert and Isaiah Todd, they have to compete with, um, you know, Davies, Rui, um, Thomas Bryant, uh, Denny, all of these guys, Denny, you know, and again, Denny's coming off a huge injury. So is TB, Daniel Gafford as well. Like, it's going to be a logjam there. How are they going to be able to compete, especially as rookies? And who you need to add on was guys that are ready to compete now. So I don't know how much that's really going to help. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was expecting us to get, again, young guys that are athletic, that they're long, they can shoot the three and they can play defense. We kind of addressed it, but we didn't address it enough. Um, Spencer Nimity should be an interesting addition to this team, depending on what happens there. But <sighs> I'm, I'm nervous, man. I'm nervous. And I, I think Bradley Bill is probably going to end up leaving after this season. In my head, I, I would have wanted us to see about getting Lonzo Ball. Um, a consolation prize would have been like Kemba even though he's damaged goods, but Lonzo or Kemba would have been like my ideal addition to this team as a point guard. I understand your concerns because they do need guys who can who can play that position. Corey Kispert is a veteran. Uh, he's, I believe, 22 years old, and he was yeah. one of the best three-point shooters coming out of college. I do believe he needs to improve on his defensive skills, but he is somebody that can give you 15 to 20 points, whether it's plugged in the starting lineup or coming off the bench. So, I do think that was a great pickup for the Wizards, and I would not be surprised if... And I'm sorry, Ryan. I didn't even mention the fact that they got Trez and they got Kyle Kuzma. KCP is on the team, but who knows for how long. If we could have... And, and Kyle Kuzma shouldn't even be a Wizard. He should have been traded to the Kings so that they could have... So that the Lakers could have gotten Buddy healed. But... And I, and I don't know what the heck happened with that situation, but go on, Ryan. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just think that it's it's going to be very interesting to see... 
what they do in free agency because I know there are a couple there are a couple wings that are still out there. So it depends like what the Wizards want and depends what what the Wizards are looking for. Jalen, I'll go to you on this one. What is the one thing on the agenda that you believe the Wizards need to address this offseason? I mean, Brooks, I think we both have the same philosophy about what the Wizards had to do. And I think that although they might not have gotten younger, I think they did exactly what they are supposed to in terms of addressing some of their bigger needs. Now, the big thing that you have to factor in when you talk about them getting younger, too, is remember, because Bradley Beal doesn't want to leave, or at least that's all of what he's given us so far. And in terms of this, let's be real. You know, Bradley has a lot of money on the other side of the pasture when we talk about this season. After the season is over, the the boys owe big bread and no other team can give it to him. He already wants to be here. You factor those two things together. I genuinely think it would be the Wizards having to bite the bullet on their own and kind of go against his wishes to even move him. I understand everybody's thought process on him wanting to leave, but the best trade package that could have sent him to his best situation, we discussed this in the group chat a little bit would have been going to Golden State prior to the draft. Literally, it would have been the most organized, well-set-up situation for both teams to be able to win, and it would have put him in a situation where he could easily step into a winning culture and produce day one as a guy that doesn't have to carry the team with Golden State because you look at the situation you get if you're the Wizards, and I don't know exactly how great you view this, but if you're the Wizards, you get 7, 14, and Andrew Wiggins, along with um, uh, James Wiseman. So you add to your front court depth by getting a guy in James Wiseman, as well as a guy in Andrew Wiggins, who has become a little bit more of a versatile defender after kind of going through the ringer with Golden State. I think they really helped him improve as a defensive prospect, and that's a, like an interesting way to go about things. And then you talk about the fact that they would have had 7, 14, 15, and in the trade they made with um, with the Indiana Pacers, they were able to acquire Aaron Holiday who's only 25 years old and get the 22nd overall pick. So they would have had five picks in a draft. Ryan, we talked about this at nauseum the last couple of draft episodes that we did. This draft was extremely deep. And in the first round, all kinds of hell broke loose. So I honestly think in a situation where they could have had five first round picks all in the top 25, and it would have also came with James Wiseman, who's a younger prospect, Aaron Holiday, who they got from from um, the Pacers, and of course Andrew Wiggins, who they could potentially flip again later on. Um, in terms of his contract, only getting more favorable with another year, you know, behind him. If there was any time to trade Bradley, it would have been before this draft. And the fact that they didn't pull the trigger without his consent means that basically, unless he screams for for um a trade. They're not going to trade him. There literally is no, there, there hasn't been any better opportunity. We've heard stuff from the Celtics before, um, talking about the Wizards. And honestly, I don't think they could have given us a deal any better than what the, what the Warriors were presenting. And then when you talk about actually like getting, you know, athletic wings and stuff like that, I think I, now we mentioned this before the pod started. Kyle Kuzma will probably have to be involved in that sign and trade for Spencer Dinwiddie. Not super mad at that because, honestly, Kyle Kuzma pretty much is a high-volume version of everything we want Rui Hachimura and Denny Abdiya to be. He's just a guy that's going to eat up more minutes as a younger dude that that plays that wing position. Rui Hachimura has better defensive principles than him. Denny Abdiya is a better ball mover than he is. So I'd rather see those two develop in their own space with that. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, 
instantly makes this defense better. Ryan read it off at the beginning of the pod, 30th in opponents' points per game, like bottom 20 in terms of defensive rating. Contavious Caldwell-Pulp already can step in and be the secondary guard next to just about anybody. This might be a weird situation where Bradley might end up playing the three a lot offensively, which I'm not super mad at because I'm not worried about anybody being able to, being able to uh, guard up on Bradley. I'm really not. He, he's an offensive problem. Spencer Dinwiddie, not a huge guard, but a bigger guard in terms of the point guard position. So I think defensively he'll be able to hold his own. Bradley's no slouch on defense. He just has had to expound so much on the offensive end that you can't go ask him to go sit in the chair like that. Um, and then you look at Aaron Holiday. We've had terrible Brooks. I, I you you know the list in your head. You know the list. We've had terrible backup point guard play, like literally yeah. horrible pack backup point guard play. Ryan read it out. Um, um, off the pod. We had, we're still paying guys like Ty Lawson. We we brought Isaiah Tom Thomas in. For a year, we're still paying guys like Ramon Sessions on our books as well, dude. Like we've had some really interesting characters come through Washington, and to have a solid guy at 25 um, from Indiana who hasn't really gotten a lot of burn um, in Holiday come to our team and be a secondary point guard behind a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie. Now we have two competent point guards. We have two competent shooting guards in terms of KCP and Bradley Beal, who I think can actually be interchangeable um, next to each other if we want to let Bradley hold the rock a little bit more. Montrez Harrell, he's prove, he, he's going to have to prove that last season, him getting played out of the rotation was just a product of being a part of a Los Angeles team that was better when AD's at center, and he doesn't fit next to AD as a four. I think if you talk, especially we're not going to have Thomas Bryant at the beginning of the year. That's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. He's still yeah. nursing that injury. And you mentioned it before, and Daniel Gafford still kind of dealing with his stuff, too. So I think that's going to give them a chance to give Trez early burn. Like, I think a lot of the stuff that you mentioned we needed to address got addressed. It might not have been, like, the flashy names that we would have wanted to see. Like, I don't think we could have signed Kimba. Like, I just don't. I don't see how we would have had the money for that. We're getting away with murder by having to do a signing trade to get Spencer. Um, I think. What about Lonzo? Lonzo's price tag, I felt like, was too high. And as far as I'm concerned, that deal was done before <laughs> before the trade the the uh, before um free agency actually kicked off. If you remember the news for Lonzo Ball to to Chicago? I I know very in depth because I was on my phone uh looking for that that signing the entire afternoon, but. He basically that basically got inked 10 seconds in the free agency's lodge. Like, I, I don't know if we're going to actually say whether or not tampering is a thing in the NBA or not. I'm I refuse to speak on it because honestly, I, I believe it's just a, a running joke in the NBA. Yeah. But that that deal was inked like 10 seconds in the free agency beginning. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't think the Wizards were actually in play to begin with. And they dang sure didn't have four years, 80 mil for him. That I mean, they dangered in at the, and even the Bulls had to do a signing trade to make that work. They had to send uh Garrett Temple and Thomas Sandaransky over there with like three picks just to make it work. The Wizards don't have that. The Wizards the Wizards don't have those kind of uh draft assets on them to to even conduct a kind of trade like that. So I think you get Spencer Dinwiddie, who I think is a solid facilitating point guard who can still go get a bucket. 
You get mm-hmm. Aaron Holiday, fill out your point guard spot. KCP plays defense, something they desperately need. Montrez Harrell fits at power forward or center, which is good versatility considering that Thomas Bryant and Daniel Gafford are a little injury prone. Kyle Kuzma is probably going to get moved, so that leaves Rui Hachimura and Denny to do their thing. And, I mean, I don't know how in-depth we can talk about Wes Unseld as a coach because, like, you know, that's like a tricky thing. Like, how can you te- how can you speak on the behalf of a coach being able to make your team better until you've actually kind of just seen it? But I definitely for sure know that this team needed a different philosophy that was not Scott Brooks because I genuinely believe Scott Brooks is just give my most talented guys the rock and let them eat. How many times did he get away with that in Oklahoma City? Like, how blessed can you be to have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook attached to your name in the coaching sphere? Like, I literally think that's how he got around, and I think that's how he lasted on the Wizards so long. So I think a new fresh face in West Unsell should be something that should also help this locker room. They're a little bit more veteran built now, despite, yeah, I understand, maybe wanting to get a little bit younger was the move, but with Wanting to keep a guy like Bradley Beal happy, he's 28 years old and probably going to sign a Supermax soon. So I think getting some older guys who can contribute, they're not super old either. That's another thing. They're not super old. They're all still on the front end of 30 years old. No no player on our team is older than 28, um, 28 years old with the fact that they're moving Russell Westbrook out. It's 28 and younger, which is still good because everybody's pre-prime for the most part. I think I don't know. I think the Wizards are solid. Now, I think they need one more pick. I think they need one more pickup. I agree with you on that. And I think if we could get somebody that's like on the younger 25, 26 lane, that's in that athletic mode at the three spot, just to kind of help fill things out since Denny's coming off injury, then okay, we could be cool. Um, I guess you could say Kyle could have been that guy. But like I said, we got to give him up for Spencer. So, yeah, I think Washington's cool. So you mentioned a lot of things, and I just want to break them down real quick. First, you mentioned the coaching hiring of Wes Unseld, and I mentioned earlier in the podcast we were definitely going to talk about that. So let's just talk about it now because I think this was almost the perfect hiring considering that Wes Unseld uh, Sr., his father, was a great player with the Wizards, and now Wes Unseld Jr. is going to be the coach of the Washington Wizards. So I think for historical purposes, this was a great hiring, but I want to start with Brooks on this one. What does Wes Unsell Jr. provide to this team that Scott Brooks doesn't provide? So I'll start off with defensively. This is a guy who helped coach coach up Nikola, Nikola Jokic, um, Jamal Murray, Bill Barton, those guys into like competent defenders and willing defenders. He was able to get the Nuggets to, I believe it was, it was a, a fourth or fifth rating defense, for a fourth or fifth defensive rating, top five defensive rating as a team. This is a guy who knows how to coach defense. And that's what the Wizards need. We know that we can go out there and score the ball. We know that we have a top three score in Bradley Bill. But it's the defensive side that needs to work. And that's what Wes Unseld is specialized in. The question is, is what can you do on the other side of the ball, the X's and O's as far as being creative and, and, and again, being able to coach up Denny and coach up Brewing, coach up Davies, um, coach up everybody else on this roster, man, because the, uh, the, the defense is probably going to be a whole lot better. I don't think it's going to be top 10 or anything, but I do say top 15 to top 20. 
Uh, they'll, they'll know how to, they'll be more willing to be uh, tough. They'll, be, they'll go after those loose balls to do everything that they weren't doing last year. I think that's what's going to be solved. But how's he going to help all these other guys on offense and help them become more confident in themselves? How do you raise up Denny's level? How do you raise up Rui's level? Rui's coming off of a great Olympic performance right now. He's the leading scorer for Japan. He's got like 20-plus a game, something around there. Um, that's what I'm excited about, man. And, and again, just the fact that this team has been able to clean house. Tommy Shepard, again, he he's he's got he's been doing a better job than Ernie than we could ever expect Ernie Grunfield to do. Um, you know, he finally got his guy in, in on the bench with West Unsell Jr. I think West Unsell Jr. is going to help this defense a whole lot. Offense remains to be seen, but again, we have Bradley Bill, we got Danny, we got Rui. It's just how do you elevate those guys' confidence? And like you mentioned, he coached a lot of talented guys in Denver, including the MVP, Nikola Jokic. So maybe that could translate over to Washington. Jalen, I'll continue on with the, I'll, I'll continue um, this conversation over to you because I think to Brooks's point, he has to get creative on the offensive side. But on the defensive side, he can benefit this team tremendously considering, like I mentioned earlier, this team was dead last in the league in terms of opponents' points per game. They were one of the worst teams in terms of defensive net rating as well. So how do you feel about the hire with West End Cell Jr. to Washington, and what do you think he does differently than Scott Brooks? I mean, the biggest thing is that he's a player's coach for real. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I've read up on him um, most importantly is that he really is, uh, you know, the definition of a good locker room presence. I think he's going to be a guy that from all the attributes that have been associated with him in terms of all the quotes I've read, has him very interestingly molded as like a Ty Lue type guy in terms of how he fits. He's a good X's and O's guy, but it's really about being able to get the most out of the guys in his locker room that I think is important. And you talk about defense, right? At the end of the day, schematically, defense um, can only do so much without effort right so being able to get the most out of your guys especially because we have some athletic wing play Kentavious Caldwell Pope I don't think you're gonna have to like you know get in his face to get him to play defense defense is KCP's calling card shooting threes and playing defense is calling card asking two athletic wings and Denny um Denny and Rui to lock down on the defensive end I think that's going to be something that's going to be really important for both of them in terms of their development I think Wes Unsell will be able to get that out of them I think the other thing is for people who don't know, Wes Unsell Jr. is a dude who had to religiously deal with Gil- Gilbert Arenas. Um, I know that that might sound very like, what does that have to do with anything um, when you pass it by? But Gilbert Arenas is one of the most like dynamic playmakers as well as most interesting personalities in all of basketball history, hands down. Um, very interesting when he played with, with the Wizards, <laughs> for sure. But um, more importantly, in terms of just being a dynamic scorer that, you know, that I think that's where the Bradley Beal aspect comes out, where Gilbert Arenas was the only guy at one point. And the Agent Zero thing was no joke. And I think that he's going to have to get the same kind of um, playmaking ability and stuff out of Bradley Beal. And I think Bradley Beal has the chance to do that. And then in terms of the personality aspect of it, I really don't think there's anybody in the Wizard locker room right now that has a more polarizing personality than what Gilbert Arenas had when he was with the Wizards. So I think in terms of being an even kill guy who can kind of relate to other players, I mean, I think this overall just makes the locker room a lot less tense 
it plays more to the strengths of some of these guys. And again, I think at the at the end of the day, bro, uh, Indiana had the same thing happen. Sometimes you just need a different voice in the room. Like sometimes that's just all it takes. And I think Washington just desperately Brooks Washington had uh, Scott Brooks for like what five six years, right? Six terrible years. Yeah. So, like, after a while, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes making a change is just the right thing to do for your organization. Just to see I mean, Larry, Larry Bird said it once. Yeah. Larry Bird famously said it. Like, you, you have the attention of your locker room for four seasons, maybe even five of the most, and then you got to move on. And that's what he did. And I think, unless you're like a Greg Popovich type of guy or like a Phil Jackson guy, you got to you got to take that into hold with these teams right. and these coaches. Yeah, so I think what's I think I think West Unsell Jr. Brian, you you brought up the the lineage aspect of it. I think from a nostalgia standpoint, I mean that's gonna sell tickets by itself because I think that honestly, people who are a fan of that kind of NBA lineage and NBA history alone will make things interesting. I kind of hope that because of the lineage, he's able to talk out uh, the Wizards getting some more of those Bullets jerseys for home game home games. I think that would be super dope. Listen, the Super Bulls jerseys, they need to continue using those City Edition jerseys that they got the black joints. I would yeah. love to see a throwback to the blue the blue uh, home jerseys or the away jerseys that the Wizards used to have, the gold ones too. I don't know yeah. if that fits this era, but I would love to see – oh, I would love to see the golden jerseys on the Nike symbol. Oof. That'd be tell, great. Who are you telling, bro? I think that I think that Wes Unsell Jr.'s, like, lineage within this team – could bring a back bring back a, a lot of nostalgia for this team as well. So I think that this team playing for like what its lineage has been, right, and being able to be you know bigger than the Andre Blatches and the Nick Youngs and the JaVel McGee of the world that we had kind of as a weird, interesting stretch. There's also a lot of like again the Gilbert Arenas era too that I think that was like you know the, probably the peak of Wizards basketball outside of maybe the the short stint that Chris Webber had. Um, as well. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot of, like, a lot of culture aspect stuff that Wes Unsell Jr. can bring. Brooks, I'm right there with you with the jerseys, bro. I think if he can bring back some nostalgia to the team and it shows up in the tickets, too, oh, man. Now, now we're talking about something different for the city. And you talk about just the fact that uh, Wes Unsell Jr. is going to be able to bring some, some different voices. He's going to bring a different type of leadership. I think we're going to be one of those few teams, like the Spurs, or like the Mavs, or maybe not the Mavs, but definitely the Spurs, where your coach is going to be the leader of your locker room and he's going to be the most authoritative. He's going to be the alpha male of the team. Because let's face it, last year we had the best rebounding guard. We had an alpha male personality in Russell Westbrook. And I don't think Bradley Bill is at that point right now where he's able to take that reign over and successfully be that rah-rah guy that you necessarily need, that guy that's going to be able to take over or, yeah, take over games when you absolutely need it. Bradley Bill, he's able to do it for stretches. He's able to bring you back from deficits. But can you take over games in the fourth quarter? We saw some highlights here and there. We saw some spotlight there and there. But we need it consistently from the guy because, again, you lose the engine of your team. You lose the best rebounding guy. You lose someone who was willing to be a playmaker, facilitator, all of that. Who's going to take that step up? Spencer Dinwiddie can do it. He's going to be a, a very good table setter. But is he going to be the engine of that team? I can't say for sure whether or not he can. So it's time for Bradley Bill to do it. And it, until he is able to take over those keys full time, Mustanso is going to be that guy who's going to have to fall on a sword a whole lot and be the guy 
who's going to be the alpha alpha uh, male voice and take that take that damage and and just be able to rah rah these guys up. You both made a lot of great points considering that this this is a fit that makes sense. This is a coaching fit that makes sense. Lineage wise, it makes sense. I think leadership wise, it makes sense. I think he can bring he can bring out the best in guys like Brad, you know, Bradley Beal and Denny Avdia and Rui Hachimura. So I definitely think that there's a lot of interesting things about this hiring. We want to see Wes Onsell Jr. take over this team and make it a great team again. Brooks, to, to your point earlier in the episode, you wanted this team and you had the expectations of this team to finish in the top six. They didn't finish in the top six under uh, Scott Brooks. In fact, they struggled early in the season, and I believe the record was 3-14. and 14. This is a guy in West Huntsville Jr. that can turn it around and be able to make the Wizards a playoff team again, and not just a play-in playoff team, a certifiable playoff team. But let's just talk about their cap situation real quick before we get to talking about Spencer Dinwiddie and you guys, and you guys mentioned earlier with uh, Bradley Beal. They have about $9.5 million in the mid-level exception, $3.7 million in the biannual exception, with Mo Wagner being traded to Boston, they had about 2.1 million. Russell Westbrook's trade to Los Angeles, they had a trade exception with 8.4 million. In terms of the luxury tax, they have about 14.5 mil. In terms of total cap allocations, 180 mil. They are 68 million over the cap space. And this season, their maximum cap space can be $12 million over the cap space. So, with that being said, and of course, the Washington Wizards have made some pretty interesting moves so far here in the offseason, trading away Russell Westbrook, now acquiring Spencer Dinwiddie. Brooks, I'll start with you. How do you believe Spencer Dinwiddie will fit on this team? Man, I think he's just going to be, I think he's going to be the sidekick. I think he's going to be a Robin type of guy for Bradley Bill. Um, and I think he's going to be a, a pretty good facilitator. I mean, the guy's going to be coming off the ACL tear. So again, it's not like a huge injury like uh, like it used to be, luckily. Um, it's, I think it's only a partial tear as well. So I don't think it's going to sap him of his athleticism like it usually does. And again, an ACL tear is probably like a two or three, two or three year injury that you really get yourself back from. So I think for year one, it's probably going to be like an up and down type of performance. I think he's going to have a couple of good 30-point games, maybe even a 40-point game. But we're not going to see the full version of of Spencer Dinwiddie that we would like to see. I think year two is when we're really going to see what he can be. And I think that's when he's, we're going to see like the dominant stretches that we've seen him be able to do. I think we're going to see him take over some games. I think he's going to be an even better Robin. I think that's when we can really see how this front court's going to be. Um, and, again, he's a great shooter. He, I, I can't say he's capable of 50, 40, 90, but he's definitely going to help spread the court out. He's definitely going to make life easier for, for Brad, for Danny, for, for Rui. I think he's going to bring a different type of voice to the locker room as a point guard. I think he's got defensive competence as far as being willing to try. Um, and he's got some craft to his game too that I, that I like a whole lot. And I can't wait to see how he bridges this team between the John Wall, Russell Westbrook era because He's got a hold on on his shoulders as far as pressure goes. And Brooks, you, you mentioned some of the qualities that he had. I mean, he's a great facilitator. That's one thing that they were lacking last season was a great facilitator. And I think that he'll definitely be able to provide that. Interesting point that you made in terms of 
the pressure that he has now in Washington, him being able to be the starting point guard, him coming off of that ACL injury, I think there's definitely that sort of pressure. But at the same time, I think it'll be interesting to see if he is the same guy that he was before he was injured. Because Spencer Dinwiddie was a guy that can give you 20 points a game. And I think, to your point, Brooks, he can give you a couple 30-point games here and there. So I think it'll be interesting to see what he's like now that he's coming back from the ACL injury. But I definitely think he'll have to prove his worth in Washington because there's definitely some high standards in terms of the point guards that have recently been in Washington with John Wall and Russell Westbrook, like you mentioned. Jalen, what about you? Because Brooks made a lot of interesting points. How do you believe he fits on the Wizards roster? Yeah, I think that he fits really well. Ryan, I think you made a really interesting point about him being a guy that you know has the capability of being a 20-point-per-game scorer. Literally before last season, with that big-time injury, literally was at the peak of his career in terms of um, so far seven seasons in the NBA, 20.6 points per game, 6.8 assists. I think that's huge, really interesting balance, too. Played, um, he played all uh, 64 games that year and started 49 of them. Um, factor in, obviously, that Kyrie Irving was on this team. There were times where he was interchangeable. There were other circumstances where he was coming off the bench, considering how many games he started in comparison to games played. Yes, Kyrie missed a lot of that season, but there was some interchangeability with them where they would have played next to each other. I think that's a huge thing to, uh, to point out when it comes to Bradley, because I think Bradley actually plays a lot better off the ball than Kyrie Irving does. I think most people would agree with that. Um, that Bradley doesn't need the rock in his hands nearly as much. I think Bradley actually got pretty used to that playing next to a guy in John Wall. And I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie demands to have the ball in his hands nearly as much as John did. So I think this pairing is actually interesting because his facilitating along with the fact that he's a guy that can be relatively efficient. I mean, the three balls, the one thing that concerns me, um, he's coming off of literally, I mean, the last four straight seasons, he shot less than 35% from three. That's probably the big glaring issue. But outside of this past season, um, he shot 40% or better from the floor. I think that's something that can be built upon when you talk about him having a little bit more space to work with, knowing Bradley Beal is going to garner so much attention. Um, in the, you know, you know, there's the one year with Kyrie Irving, um, in terms of him not even really being on the floor. Um, and then the other year prior, it was him coming off the bench as a secondary, uh, ball handler or second unit guy coming behind D'Angelo Russell. So he was a guy who garnered a lot of attention in those two stints and he did relatively well. And the, the main thing that's important to me is Spencer has gotten better every single year. Um, outside of last season nice. where he got injured, he's taken significant upticks. Every single season, uh, starting from his rookie year in Detroit, 4.3 points per game, bouncing all the way up to his first year in Brooklyn at 12.6, 16.8, and then, of course, uh, season before last, um, 20.6, like I mentioned beforehand, which was a career high. And, and for the most part, his assists have taken that same kind of uptick as well. So, I, I mean, I think Spencer's solid. I don't think we need another guy who's a high-volume scorer at the point guard position, but we know what Bradley can do. We just need a competent guy who can play defense relatively well, get everybody involved, and help this team get out and run still because I still think that being top five in pace of play is something they should play to their strength. They got athletes still. So I think if they can be top five, top eight 
and pace of play, they're still going to be a really solid offensive team. And Spencer Dinwiddie, yes, Russell Westbrook makes them number one, but I think Spencer Dinwiddie with these guys gives them the chance to still stay within that top ten. And I think that plays to their strengths. And I think they turn over the ball a whole lot less, too, because Brad and and Russ used to combine for, like, 10 turnovers a plus some games. So I think think Spencer's going to be willing to, uh, you know, I think he's going to be one or two turnovers a game, get at least, like, six, seven, maybe even eight assists per game as well, and then just take take care of the ball a whole lot better. I think it's going to be less organized chaos because that was the name of the game every time Russ was out there. We saw the we saw the type of passes he would try to throw out there, try to be throwing a home run home run passes every time, and that's not what this Wizards team needs. Like you don't make up a deficit in one play, you know what I mean? You got to keep chopping that wood until you bring the tree down. And I think that's what Spencer Dinwiddie is going to do a whole lot better than Russ could do. I think he's going to be able to, you know, drive and dish a whole lot better. I think he's going to be a whole lot better of a uh, of a pick and roll guy. I mean, you already know we got the, we got one of the best pick and roll threats, pick and roll lob threats with uh with Daniel Gafford. Uh, again, Danny's gonna be like a good uh two on one type of guy. I think like Draymond does. I don't think he's got the same basketball IQ as Draymond Green does, but I think that's gonna be a whole lot of fun to watch. Man, this team is gonna be fun, and I don't think they're gonna be like a league pass team, but they're definitely gonna be like a good team that you like to watch when you're playing pickup or at the Y, whatever it may be. I think this is a great fit next to Bradley Beal because the Wizards don't need another primary scoring option. They just need somebody who can lead an offense. They need somebody who can play defense. They need somebody who can give you that additional 15 to 20 points game. That's something that Spencer Dinwiddie can provide. So I think that his fit in Washington is going to be great next to Bradley Beal. And I think we could be talking about Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal as a top five backcourt going into this season in the Eastern Conference. So there's definitely a lot of potential with these two. Moving on to that other half of the backcourt, like I mentioned with Bradley Beal, I made an interesting point when we were talking with Baller Island a couple of days ago about the Russell Westbrook trade to Los Angeles. And I thought that the Wizards may have traded the wrong player because in terms of fit, I thought Bradley Beal was a better fit so, Brooks, first of all, I'll I'll get your take on the Russell Westbrook trade itself, but also the possibility of believing that it was the right decision to keep Bradley Beal instead of trading him. Okay, so as far as the Russell Westbrook trade goes, um, I love it because Russell Westbrook wasn't going to be a wizard, wizard for that long. Um, you see the report going out there that he... You know, he was he was trying to go to L.A. last year. He's been trying to get this deal done since 2019. Kawhi Leonard kind of dicked him around uh, that same time, trying to say, you know, letting Paul George know, oh, you know, you guys just want to be here. And I'm sure, you know, Bradley Beal sees that, and he kind of breathes that, that, that breath of uh, of relief because, like, he knows that Russell Westbrook wasn't going to be a wizard for that long. So how can you rely on the guy to be there for you when you need him going into the next couple seasons? So I think this is just... It's a good trade. I think what he was able to pass down as far as, you know, leadership goes, as far as intensity goes, as far as accountability goes, was great because, you know, just being in those conferences, I know that Russell Westbrook was, you know, taking the blame for, for some things. I know he was willing to be a better leader than, better, a, a different letter, different leader than, than John Wall was. 
So I think he's passed on a whole lot of things that this Wizards team is going to be able to hold on to going forward as a team, especially Bradley Bill being a de facto leader or being a de facto leader for the team. I think what we're going to miss, again, is having Russell Westbrook be the be-all and end-all for the team. Best rebounding guard for the of this generation, maybe even ever. He was willing to go up and down the court, having top three pace, and not two, then if not two, then one. Um, you know, the guy was able to generate a whole lot of offense. So Spencer Dinwiddie again is going to have a whole lot of pressure to be able to lead this team as the point guard. Um, but I think it was a good trade, man. I think especially when you're able to bring in a haul like Montrez, Kyle Kuzma, and KCP. KCP is going to be that three and D guy that you need. Um, you know, and you can always sacrifice some more for that. Uh, Kuzma is going to be a good trade chip. Montrez has got a whole lot to prove going into this year. I think we got enough talent to come back that it's not going to hurt a whole lot, but there's a lot of questions to be remain to be remained answered as far as point guard play goes, as far as coaching goes. But I loved it. And um, as far as just keeping Bradley Bill, Bradley Bill's on the same time, kind of trajectory. Like, we keep on getting all this news about whether or not he wants to stay on this team. We keep on, we, we saw last week, oh, he might be willing to make that call and say, yo, trade me. Warriors said they want to get him. We keep on seeing all the Lakers rules. Our boy Ian keeps on saying, free Brad Bill. I don't want to keep hearing that. I'm glad that he was willing to say, yeah, I want to stay here, but for how much longer? I do think Bradley's is a better fit for the Wizards than Russell Westbrook is. But if the Wizards end up leaving or losing Brad Bill for nothing, then this is going to look just as bad. It's, it's naive to think he's going to be here forever because he's not going to be here forever. So, Jalen, I want you to just retort to some of Brooks's points about the Russell Westbrook trade because – I think something that we talked to Baller Island about last week was the fact that the Lakers gave up too much for Russell Westbrook because now they don't really have a lot of assets to, to make other trades, especially trying to trade for Buddy Heald in Sacramento. So I want you to give your thoughts on the Russell Westbrook trade itself, but, but also do you believe that it was the right decision to not trade Bradley Beal on draft night? So, I mean, to, to, Answer the question about Russ. I think the big thing is from a Wizards fan standpoint, because that's the lens I want to look at it this way versus how I did it with Baller Island. It was just strictly for the Lakers perspective. But as a Wizards fan, I view it similar to what Brooks said, honestly, in terms of the fact that like how long were we expecting that stint to last anyway? Right. I think everybody from a fan base standpoint was kind of uh, short tempered with the idea of having a guy like Scott Brooks around. Um, and I think that they were a package deal essentially to a certain extent. I think that's true because guess where Scott Brooks is now? Working with the Lakers. Where is a guy in Russell Westbrook at now? <laughs> essentially the, the, the Lakers starting point guard, right? So there, there, it's interesting how that works. And I genuinely feel like with him on his way out that he wasn't gonna, that Russell Westbrook wasn't gonna be around very much longer either. Um, Ryan, I think the point you made, I've, I've gotten a little bit of time to let this marinate a little bit since you made the point um, on the Baller Island episode about trading the wrong wizard. Why couldn't you do both? That's like the thing that I actually think could be an even more interesting concept. And now, granted, the big thing comes, are you really going to trade a superstar player who wants to stay on your team against their wishes? 
do you really have the balls to 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 do something like that for a guy who's still pre-prime? He's 28 years old. You know what I mean? So 28 to 30 years old is where things really snap. Um, so I guess it can. I guess you could say pre-prime. He's like right smack in the middle of his prime. Um, are you really gonna trade a guy right in the middle of his prime? Knowing he wants to stay, or at least that he's been expressive about staying. Now, there was a tweet that was sent out earlier midway through this pod that has a little bit of a cryptic uh, question emoji from him that makes us wonder what what his mindset is on that. Hopefully, that's not a negative thing. Maybe it's maybe it's something else, but, you know, it leads to uh, plenty of room to be interpreted. But if he genuinely does want to stay and it was expressed to expressed by him that he wants to stay as a front office, that's a very tough situation to be in weighing the options of trading a guy who's an all-star caliber player, literally coming off an all-star season, um, knowing he wants to stay, remain in your, in your organization. Now, at the same time, I'm just going to frame what a double trade of moving these two guys would be for the Wizards. Moving Russell Westbrook as the trade was. You would get Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, and KCP, right, along with the 22nd overall pick. The 22nd overall pick would not be used by the Wizards because we saw it would be it was used to trade for Aaron Holiday. 25 years old, been in the league for about two seasons, I believe, with the Indiana Pacers. Didn't get a lot of burn, but should be able to get a lot more playing time as a backup point guard for the Wizards now. But I think he would have been an interesting guy as a building piece, you know, for a team that's aiming to kind of like get good through the draft, right? Then we talk about Bradley Beal. I mentioned this earlier in terms of a Bradley Beal trade with Golden State. That's the team that comes to mind. I know the Celtics were mentioned out there, but I think that Golden State had basically the most ideal trade package there was. They told the Wizards, we'll give you 7-14. We'll give you Andrew Wiggins, and we'll also give you James Wiseman. So now, just through those two trades, we have two players in Aaron Holiday and James Wiseman who can kind of grow up within this franchise. You have Montrezl Harrell, Aaron, um, um, uh, Andrew Wiggins, um, and Kyle Kuzma slash KCP. Four players who are going to be interesting players on the trade market, especially a trade deadline um, time, for teams that are going to want to make a push in the second half of the season towards winning a championship, right? Specifically like KCP and maybe like Andrew Wiggins. Um, the contract part of it gets kind of tricky with Wiggins, but I think that overall, KCP especially, is a guy who could be a trade chip. So now you have four guys who either this season or next season could be interesting trade chips. Then we throw out the four picks you would add, uh, or the I guess the three picks you would add. Because you would have seven, which I think you could still grab Jonathan Kaminga at uh, based on the way the draft fell. Or, honestly, considering you have a lot of wing stuff going on with Rui and Denny, and you've done two years back-to-back of getting a guy in in him, you can grab the best point guard available in Davion Mitchell, who is a bit older, but 25, 26 years old, not too bad um, of, of a range in terms of where Aaron Holiday is. I don't think with, uh, with uh, Davion Mitchell being 22, 23, that that's a bad trajectory. Or you could go with James Booknight at seven for the upside that he has as a secondary guard next to a guy in Aaron Holiday, right? So that's at seven. So you're already at the the top portion of the lottery. You can grab a guy, let's say James Booknight at seven. Now you have 14 and 15 because you have your own pick, which was 15, and you have the Warriors 
14. In that situation, you can really go a lot of different ways. There was there was a lot of different guys that went that went. Moses Moody was the guy who fell at 14 for the Warriors. I wouldn't be mad at that for uh, for the Wizards at all. I think Jalen Johnson as a guy who could play the three four as a point forward, he would have been an interesting little project they could have went with. And then with the 15th pick where they went with Corey Kispert, I think they honestly could have went young again. They could have went Keon Johnson. They could have went Quentin Grimes. We could have gotten Cameron Thomas, who is like a, a flare bucket, who I thought would have been really interesting Bro. as a dude oh who would have, you know, put butts in the seats, right? Because he's a dynamic scoring object. So now you mean to tell me that we have James Wiseman, Aaron Holiday, James Booknight, um, Keon Johnson, Jalen Johnson, or Cam Thompson, T- Thomas, or some kind of like iteration of that grouping. I mean, now you're looking at a young core that like by no means is looking to make a run at, at the playoffs or anything. It, it puts them in a, in a, like an Oklahoma City Thunder kind of area, but. For the Wizards, who are just barely making the playoffs with two all-star level guards in Bradley Beal and uh, Russell Westbrook, how much bet? How much better of a situation if you have to go into a reboot is that? You essentially have seven, eight guys locked up because we still got to talk about Thomas Bryant, still got to talk about Rui, still got to talk about Denny on the roster already, got to talk about Daniel Gafford. Like you go legitimately ten deep of guys 26 years old or younger as just a core to figure out. And you have a new coach in Wes Unseld who's a player's coach that's going to get these guys, these young guys, to play up to their potential or at least, you know, try to talk them into it. I think that's a pretty interesting circumstance too. So don't get me wrong. I'm super hype about the way the Wizards look right now. But if you were going to trade Bradley Beal, you wasted your opportunity already. Like, I genuinely believe that the best chance to trade trade him if you wanted to be a rebooting team would have been before the trade deadline to the Wizards. Because if everything falls as we've seen it, if you trade Russ and Beal for the deals that we either saw get confirmed or were on the table, this team's reboot process makes them a team that has about eight guys, 20, 26 years or younger, as prospects to work with moving forward to figure out what a core looks like. I mean, I think that I think that's the main thing that I get from your question. Like I said, took a lot of marinating because I honestly thought that was an interesting question on your part. Like, should they have kept Russ and traded Brad? And then it's like, but what would would Russ have wanted to be around for that? So I think, again, especially with Scott Brooks being on the way out. So why not trade both of them? Right. If you're in a circumstance where you think you're going to trade Brad and you do trade Brad, you might as well follow this reboot all the way through and trade Russ as well. And if everything, like I said, everything falls the way it lined up this offseason so far. Along with Bradley Beal to Golden State, that package that we saw being presented. I mean, the, the Wizards are in a really interesting reboot category where with this deep of a draft, along with some of the assets they grab, they would be grabbing in the meantime. Wiseman, Holiday, like I mentioned beforehand. I mean, who knows what this team would have looked like in terms of a reboot? I think that if they did get rid of both, I think that would have signified yeah, their their time for going for a championship is closed for now. They're just going to build through the draft. I think the trade with Golden State made sense 
because of the fact that they could build through this great draft. We talk about how, how deep the draft was. This was a draft where they could have had three picks in the first round and also received James Wiseman, who could be your your fill-in center for when Thomas Bryant gets back. He could develop with the Wizards. He can get a lot of playing time as the backup center next to Daniel Gafford. I feel like that trade made sense, and then you mentioned Andrew Wiggins as a possible trade piece. I think that also makes sense because Andrew Wiggins, even though he's not the most consistent shooter in the world, he can give you 15 to 20 points a game. So I think that was a win if the Wizards wanted to trade for him. Now that the Wizards have kept Bradley Beal, it signifies to us that they want to make one more run. And you have the backcourt to do it. You have a very young front court that has a lot of good players on it. Thomas Bryant had a breakout season before he was injured. Daniel Gafford was a nice fill-in role at the center at the center position. Then you build through the draft. You get Corey Kispert, a 15 to 20 point a game guy, a solid three point shooter. Rui Hachimura, Denny Avdia, they're going to develop under this new under this new coaching system with Wes Unsell. I think that this upcoming season will be the most interesting for the Wizards because we'll get a feel of if this if this team really can make a championship run again with this talented backcourt, with a very young and proven frontcourt. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see going forward. I want to get both of your takes on my next question because given the fact that we don't know the details of the Spencer Dinwiddie signing trade yet, we most likely think that probably Kyle Kuzma would be a throw-in in this trade. Montres Harrell could be a throw-in in this trade. KCP could be a throw-in in this trade. So, Brooks, I'll start with you. Given that we don't know the details of this sign-in trade, but including the fact that th- that this sign-in trade could include Kuzma, Harrell, or KCP, what do you believe is the ideal eight-man rotation for the Washington Wizards? Ooh, the ideal eight-man rotation. All right, so we got Spencer Dinwiddie at one, Brad at two, three, man. Three such a three. I I I, I guess Rui goes in there. Um, four, four. I you you I by default I guess Montrez is in there, and then five, five. I don't know because. Thomas Bryant's going to be out for at least the first couple of months. Daniel Gafford, I like him off the bench more than I like him as a starter. But the circumstances as they are, I mean, he's got to be the five. I go Aaron Holiday at six. Davies Bertans at seven. And then I guess Kuzma at eight if Kuzma ends up staying. But Kuzma's definitely going to be the eighth guy off that bench. I think he's going to add some great value as a bench guy. No, actually, no. I'll, I put I put Kuzma at the four over Trez, and then Trez can be the same, the, the super backup that he has been. Kuzma, again, Kuzma averaged, what was it, 19 points a game, his best scoring season, and he's going to be able to be like that high-end Rui Hachimara that Jalen mentioned. So I think Kuzma could be a pretty good starter, and I think he's going to be a willing guy to score and, and, and be like that a great target for, for just some great offense. Jalen, give us your eight-man rotation for the Wizards and 
also kind of retort to Brooks's eight-man rotation as well because I think it's interesting. Davis, Davis Bertans was a guy who's been in the starting lineup for the time that he's been in Washington. He was, like I said, a great three-point shooter in the 2019-2020 season as the second-leading scorer. Kuzmo definitely give you that scoring off the bench. And then, like Brooks mentioned, with the Thomas Bryan injury, we don't know if Gafford is going to be the guy at center for them, especially if Thomas Bryan comes back. Gafford could be a guy that ends up coming off the bench. So what's your ideal eight-man rotation? So I think the two things that I'm going to take into consideration is we know Thomas Bryant isn't going to be there to start the year off. So I'm already nixing him out in terms of a starting eight-man rotation just out of the fact that he's not going to be there at the beginning of the year. I'm also nixing Kyle Kuzma out because I think he's going to have to be involved in the signing trade for Spencer Dinwiddie. I literally think that their money is going to add up to the point that that's where the comparisons have been in terms of what um, each team is going to have to put up to make the signing trade work. So I think Kyle Kuzma will be included in it as well. I think we'll be able to keep KCP and Trez, and obviously we have Aaron Holiday. So I think Wait the tricky part is I didn't even put KCP in there, man. That's the and that's the thing. I think they're legitimately deep, Brooks. This is what this is what I mean, bro. When you really think about it, they're a legit deep team. Like I think, like, yeah. like don't get me wrong, the talent is not astronomical, right? You look at the rest of the East. We're talking about Brooklyn. Stop it. Nobody's messing with Brooklyn right now. Milwaukee, they're solid. I don't know why they are being kind of cheap during this free agent period. They didn't want to pay that boy, paid P.J. Tucker. Fine, that's the Heat's gain, I guess, but whatever. Miami, even. I think Miami being able to get Duncan Robinson in the back, I think that was pretty good. Picking up P.J., taking him away from Milwaukee is also a solid pickup as well. Philly, I don't know what the heck they're going to do with Ben Simmons, but what the heck is anybody going to do with Joel Embiid? So, like, that's a whole, like separate thing you know what I mean and then after that it gets tricky I think the Bulls are for real I think Atlanta's for real I think Charlotte got better through the draft I mean the Wizards are solid now so like it gets tricky after that in terms of like you know who where they rank in the east but I think the top end of this team is the fifth best team in the east and I think the bottom end of this team is the eighth seed but they're locked in you know I mean yeah they'll have to play the play-in game unfortunately but like I think they're locked in at eight. I don't think they're fighting for their way to get their way through. But, okay, so my starting lineup essentially is Spencer Diddy, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie one. Um, I have Bradley still at the two. I have Contavious Caldwell Pope at the three. I think we need defense in the back, um, uh, in the backcourt. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie and, um, KCP give that. Um, I also don't like the idea of having KCP come off the bench because I don't think there's anybody that really is like a creator off the bench outside of Denny and that's asking him to do way too much then once you get to the four and five Brooks this is where I agree with you this is where this is where it hits the fan um I think there's no way you can't start a guy in Davis Bertans not only because of the kind of money he's commanding he's commanding 16 mil he better not be coming off no dang bench I don't want to hear that but also I mean, he only, he only started seven games that season, too. I mean, sure, but at the same time, he spreads the floor in a way that I think is really important in terms of this lineup specifically. So I think he could come off the bench if he's not if he's if he's not in the starting lineup. I think it's Rui at the four. I think Rui is developing really well. I think his ISO game and driving game that we've seen in Japan. You mentioned it earlier. I, I've been really happy to see him play over there and see him continue to develop his offensive game over there. Um, so I think Rui at the four would ideally be the starting situation if Davis Bertans didn't come off the bench. So actually I'll rock with you on that one. I'll put it, I'll put Rui at the four. I think developmental wise, that's big for him too. 
So we've got the first four knocked out. Spencer, Bradley, KCP, Rui. We're a little short. I ain't going to lie. We're we a little on the short end. We definitely play a small ball for real. But I think that that's still going to be pretty good for their team. And then I got Daniel Gaffer starting over Trez at center. I think Daniel Gaffer is more of an energy guy. I think he's a better rim protector in in a lineup that doesn't have a lot of defense. In, I mean, doesn't have a ton of defense in it. KCP, really solid. Spencer Dinwiddie, he's a height. Bradley Beal, he'll hunker down when he can. Rui, he's a high effort guy. Daniel Gafford, simply a really interesting screener, which will be good for like the pick and roll stuff you're talking about with Spencer Dinwiddie and definitely Bradley. Bradley off the bounce will be nuts with Daniel Gafford setting screens for him and stuff. So that would be my starting five. And then I guess the back three, I guess it would definitely be Davis Batons, Aaron Holiday, and, um, and, Really, I would say I would say Denny. I think Denny. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Trez, but I'm not stressing him on this team. I'm all, I'm not even I'm not even sure how long Trez lasts on this team. Low key, if I'm being honest, I'm not mad at him coming off as a second unit guy. But at the end of the day, I got to see my dude Denny eat. Now during the regular season, we set an eight man rotation, but realistically, it'll go about ten deep. Like, you know, on a regular season basis. And that'll give Denny Avdia a chance to play next to Aaron Holiday. He'll probably be like the leading facilitator guy. Corey Kispert will get time. Like, if we go 10 deep, we can figure some names out. But in terms of 8 deep, I'd rather see Denny play than see Trez play for this team. Because I think Denny has more to bring in terms of fitting next to guys, whether it's Spencer, whether it's Aaron, whoever it is. I think Denny fits a lot better on this team than Trez I does. I wouldn't I be mad if Trez got traded. I don't know if Denny plays the first two months, though. Yeah, that's the tricky part with Denny is that, I mean, if he doesn't play in the beginning of the season, then I'm taking Trez by default. Yeah. Um, just out of the fact that availability-wise, it's either Trez or Corey Kisper. And I love Corey, but Corey and... Davis Bertans are kind of the same person to a certain extent. Bertans is a little bit more. To, no, go ahead. Corey's more willing to put the ball on the floor, though. Yeah, he's got, nice, he's got a nice little pull up, and he can he can go to the rim. He's not, he's, he's a straight line guy, though. He's he's not going to change direction on you, but he'll definitely get you off the dribble a little bit. Yeah, so I think that would be the thing. Is like, I mean, okay, let's, let's like table that for a second. Like, I mean, if you're in a situation where you had to. Final, finalize an eight-man rotation, and you're going between Trez and Corey Kispert, like, who are you picking? Because I think the consensus would say Montrezl Harrell because of proven commodity, really good coming off the bench as a secondary guy, really good, you know, pick-and-roll dude coming off the bench and all this, that, and the third. But I think Corey Kispert is, Kispert is interesting because if we're going to be an up-and-down, run-and-gun kind of team, then having a guy who's dead eye on the catch and shoot tip I think is a lot more important than Montrez Harrell who's going to get like garbage time minutes and garbage time buckets kind of just filling in at the power forward and center position for us but like I mean like what do you think because I mean especially losing Robin Lopez I think that makes this conversation a little bit more interesting I think Sands Rolo, I think, I mean, I still think I roll with my guy Montrez. Again, Montrez is going to come in as a, as a prove it type of guy. He's got to, he's got to wipe off that dirty taste off his mouth, man, because he had a terrible year for the Lakers, really up and down, got outplayed in, in the, in the playoffs. I mean, 
the guy's got to go out there and prove that he's better than what he was last year. I think Corey Kispers can have some. I think it, I think realistically this is a nine man rotation, and I think Corey Kispers is going to be that ninth guy off the bench, okay. and I think he's going to be able to bring some really high value minutes. But I think when you have a veteran presence like that, who is a known who is a known commodity, like you said, I think you have to play him. And I think Corey Kispers is going to have some of those valuable minutes at the end. You know, like those last available minutes that, you know, it's going to be really good for his development. I think him playing along with Dev, Davis or maybe even with Bradley Bill is going to help him a whole lot, especially uh, Spencer Dinwiddie as far as being like a catch-and-shoot guy. And I think he's going to – I think he's going to have a solid uh, rookie season, but I don't think he's going to get minutes over Montrez right now. Yeah, I think Bryant coming back will tell us a lot about how this team fills out. I think because you know that Bryant isn't healthy, you know that Denny isn't healthy – I think those two guys alone make it where, like I said, when you talk about the depth of this team, it gets really interesting. Now, personally, my personal opinion will be if we could keep Kuz and send Shrez to Brooklyn in the trade, I think it's a better situation. I think fit-wise overall, especially when you talk about spelling um, at the small forward position, I think Denny honestly can be like a point forward on the second unit. Um, next to Aaron Holiday, that gives two guys who can swing the ball pretty good. And if you ask Kyle Kuzma to host that thing up, he will. So we don't have to worry about having a primary scoring option who will also play a little bit of defense. We saw that the last two seasons with the Lakers. Kyle Kuzma will play a little bit of defense, and if you ask him to chuck it, he will. So I think having a guy in Denny who 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 Kuz will run with, same thing with Aaron. I think if we can keep Kuz and send Shrez, to um Brooklyn that's a better situation and in reality bro Brooklyn needs trades more than they need Kuz if we being real they need a guy who's gonna bang down low they I mean granted they're already a smaller ish team but they need another like physical body in the front court they don't need another like finesse score perimeter guy in Kyle Kuzma like between what they did in the draft and everything else I don't really know if they even need that let me ask you, would you rather have Montrez or would you rather we have swung for the fences, I guess, for Taylor Horton Thunk, Tucker? Would you rather have him? I would have took Tuck. I think that Tuck would have been a lot more versatile as like a as like a perimeter defensive guy. Um, if you tell me we can get Tuck um, and KCP in the same trade for Russell Westbrook, the the level the the level that our defense like increases is significant like off rip just from the signings themselves because then you give us two perimeter defensive guys who basically on both units we know we're going to throw on whoever the best perimeter guy is on the floor at the moment spencer dinwiddie again still pretty okay uh bradley beal when he's ready to sit in the chair um pretty okay um and i think still in that situation you know it addresses what you said about getting a young athletic wing that can kind of float around. I don't think Tucker is like much of like the three and D guy, but he's definitely the D, uh, like in terms of like being a defensive guy. And I think I, I just mean, like him. That's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I agree I with you. Like, I like him too. I think I would like him more just because he has, he's a hooper. The guy's going to go right. out there and get you what you need off the bench. Like, mm-hmm. I think. I think he just add a whole lot more than Montrez can right now. I think he'd be again. I think he'd be just another prove it guy. Like Montrez is is the conundrum with him, but I'm excited to see him play. But if I could have Taylor Horton Tucker, then I would definitely get him. 
And I think a lot of the points you guys made are interesting because of the fact that when you think about it, there is a lot of death on this team and it fills out. And I think when you, when you talk about a 10 man rotation, especially possibly a 12 man rotation in the regular season, there's definitely a lot of, there's definitely a lot of interesting players on this team that fit well on this team. I think Harrell, if he stays around, he could be the starting power forward. I feel like it makes sense to move him to Brooklyn, though, because I think Brooklyn is competing for a championship right now. So they they do need Montrose Harrell more than the Wizards need Montrose Harrell. I think in terms of youth, yeah, they need Kuzma more than anything. KCP, I think, will be an interesting one because I think that even though he could be the starting two, I think he could also give you minutes coming off the bench. But also, I think he could be another another bench scorer on Brooklyn. So he could be another guy in the, in the sign and trade ends of going to Brooklyn. Sure. So definitely a lot a lot of moving parts with this Wizards team. But the depth is interesting, and I didn't think about how deep this team could possibly be going into this season and factoring in that Thomas Bryant's not going to be available for the first part of this season. So that's another intriguing factor. But to close out this episode, we have a couple of rapid-fire questions to go over. So, Brooks, I will start with you. Who is the most underrated player on your team? Most underrated player on this team? Yeah. Shit. Probably Aaron Holiday. I would say Aaron Holiday will be. Jalen, most underrated player on the Wizards not named Aaron Holiday. I know he's been there for a short stint, but Daniel Gafford, bro, I think I think people are sleeping on just how good he's going to be at the center position, and I think he's going to get a lot more burn now that Tom, now he's going to have a full season, full offseason with the Wizards. No Thomas Bryant early. Daniel Gafford. Yeah, Aaron Holiday is somebody that he has possibility of being the sixth man coming off of this uh, Wizards bench. And then Daniel Gafford, I mean, he he was a guy who was a surprise in the trade with Chicago. Definitely was able to get some significant playing time this season as the starting center. So definitely excited to see what he has going forward, especially considering he will most likely be the starting center with Thomas Bryant out. Jalen, going to move to you. I'm going to move to you on this one. Uh, most improved player on the Wizards from last season to this past season. It might not show in the statistics a whole lot, but I think it's Rui. I think Rui, from a from a ball handling standpoint, is improving a lot. Um, like I said, statistically, no crazy jump. He was pretty much flatlined between his 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 rookie season and his sophomore year, um, in the NBA. But in all seriousness, I think he's just improving as a ball handler. He's improving as a defensive player. And I think as he continues to grow, I think year three will be big for him in terms of being able to put that six eight frame to, to use because I think this is going to be a year with personnel around him that's more uh more of a positive build on the defensive end. It'll give him a chance to really let that toolbox out. And I think on both sides of the ball, he continues to improve. Brooks, what about you? Who do you believe is the most improved player on your team from the 2019-20 season to the 2020-21 season? Yeah, I will, I will agree. I think it'll be uh, Rui Hachimura. I think, again, usually during these Olympic cycles, right, a couple of players always have some great seasons afterwards. They always come back fresh, playing with a lot of joy, a lot of fun. You look at Luca. Luca's definitely going to be that guy. 
and I think Rui Hachimura is also going to be a guy that's going to have a load, a lot of fun. He's going to be reinvigorated, come back with a lot more confidence, and he's going to have another coach who can instill more confidence in him. And what's Anso Jr. Rui's definitely going to be that guy who's going to be like, wow, look how look how well he's playing. You know, he might be a, he might be an actual MIP candidate this season, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think he's going to be I'm not. I say 20 at the most, like 20.8 a game. It's going to surprise a lot of people. I think it's going to be a good season for him. I think 28 would be a huge improvement for Rui. And given what he has already done with Japan in the Olympics, this is a player that could be a power forward on the rise in the NBA. So the potential's there. Now that he has a new coach, we'll see if he can improve in his third year. Jalen mentioned it early in the pod, or earlier on in the podcast in terms of seeding prediction. Jalen said that the Wizards could possibly finish anywhere between five and eight. So, Brooks, I want to throw it to you on this one. What seed do you believe the Wizards will finish as next season? I think they get a six seed. So, to finish off this section of the podcast, this is the part where we hand the floor over to our fan regarding the Washington Wizards, and you can basically talk about this past season or things up ahead. Man, thank y'all for having me on, man. It's always fun to be on the Hoop Talk podcast. Don't free Brad just yet, but I also understand that you have to free Brad at some point because, again, the guys, the guys playing pretty cryptic on on the on the on the on the Twitters and all that. Him and his wife Kamia, Kamaya, Kamia, Kamaya, something like that. I actually like her YouTube channel with Brad because they they're fun. They're fun to watch, and I'm not I'm not a YouTube couple guy. But it's fun to watch them watch them do their thing, man. But again, I would love to see Brad Bill in a uh, Witches uniform going forward. I also understand that you gotta get rid of him when you do. Um, listen to HMO podcast, man. We out weekly, and uh, yeah, listen to continue to listen to Hoop Talk and continue to listen to the Impact as well. So on that note, transitioning to our question of the day for our fans: Do you believe Bradley Beal will be a Washington Wizard this upcoming season? We would like to thank our guest today, Brooks Warren, for discussing some Washington Wizards basketball with us. This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We will see you guys next episode. Peace!